little bit of uh, Bible this morning. I'm glad that you are here. want to help you to see from the manger to the cross. Some of these scriptures have already been given, but let's go to them. Isaiah chapter 7. Happy that you're here. Glad that everyone enjoyed the presentations. When we look to Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now we know that Jesus' name was Jesus, Yeshua. Now why is it it says here in this prophecy that they will call him Emmanuel? Because he's going to have some nicknames, he's going to have some titles that describe who he is. Emmanuel means God with us. This was written hundreds of years before Mary was told this. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, we learn more about this child as it was read earlier, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now notice a child is born, but a son is given. That teaches us that the son is not created with the child. Do you see the distinction? It will go past you if you don't pay attention. A child is being born, but a son coming from somewhere else is being given. So Jesus is God taking on flesh. You'll hear a lot of stories in religions about men trying to be God. That is not Jesus. Jesus is not a man trying to be God. He is God becoming man. And it's not that the Father became man or the Spirit, it's the Son. That's why it's very clearly said, the child will be born. But the son is given. And we learn from other places in the scripture that the son was there at creation. Jesus is our creator. The father has done all things through the son, especially creating the universe, making us. So notice that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So a very real person that you would see in the flesh will be acting as God, ruling as God. And the reason that is is because men, ordinary men, were given authority like Adam and Eve. Mankind was given that authority and we lost it. Now God himself as a man is going to get it back and then rule and reign as a man who is also God over us. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come on, somebody. Let's keep going. Verse 7, Isaiah 9, 7 says, And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. So there's not going to be an end to his government. If you guys could follow along, appreciate it. Thank you. And he will reign on David's throne. On David's throne, he will reign over his kingdom. So David was a type of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment establishing and upholding it with justice, righteousness, from that time on forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, if you go back to verse 6, it says that he'll be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, and we're all good with that, and Prince of Peace. The part where people get confused is where it says Everlasting Father. And so what many people then think is that Jesus is the Father, 
and that God is only one person. And sometimes he appears as the Father, sometimes he appears as the Son or as the Holy Spirit. And this is called modalism. And the idea is, is that God takes on different modes or different roles like you and I would. So when I'm at home, I'm a husband. And then when I talk to my children, I'm a father. And then when I come here, I'm a pastor. And so some people would say that this means the Trinity is not true. There's really not three separate persons sharing the nature of God, but that rather God is appearing as a son, he's appearing as a father, he's appearing as the Holy Spirit, but he's really just one person. And one of the scriptures that they'll go to is right here, because wonderful counselor is used to describe the Holy Spirit by Jesus and the everlasting fathers who we know to be the father. And the Father seems to be the hardest to get around because even though all three persons could be counselors, the Father could counsel you, the Son could counsel you, the Spirit could counsel you, what's hard for people to understand is how Jesus would be a Father and yet not be God the Father. But yet we have to just look at our normal world and to see examples of this all the time. I am a Father, but am I my Father? No, so in the same way I can be a counselor and not be Dr. Phil, in the same way I can be a father but not my father. So how then is Jesus a father but not God the Father? We know in other scriptures that he's not God the Father. Take, for example, in the baptism, he's there in the water being baptized, and the Father says, this is my son, and then we see the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. Now, either God is playing a trick on us as one person, he's there in the water ventriloquicking his, if that's even a word, putting his voice into heaven, calling himself the father to a son, and then appearing as a dove, unless he's shape-shifting in a bunch of different ways and messing with us, it's pretty obvious that the father is the father, and he's talking to his son who is there in the water, and the Holy Spirit says, don't leave me out the party. I'm coming down and getting in on this. Didn't say the Holy Spirit was a dove. He just appeared as a dove. And so the idea is simple that Jesus is not a father in the sense of being God the father, but he is a father as fatherhood goes. How did he father us? Well, he created us. He was there when we were made. In the book of John, it says all things were made by him and through him, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. So if someone makes you, they're like a father to you. How else is he like a father to us? He is our example in all that we should do and be. And so when you think about in normal societies, a lot of people look up to their father, and that was in the Jewish society. Nothing wrong with mothers, but the idea was you want to be like your father. We should want to be like Jesus. So now who is this describing? This is describing the name that Jesus will go by. Now some people may want to get a little slick and go, hold on. It says, he's going to be called this, given named this, and yet there's a whole bunch of names, a whole bunch of things he would be called. So it's like it's a plurality, and yet it's going to be given as a single name. Let's look to the Hebrew translation of this passage. The Hebrew people 
when they translate our scriptures into English, not Christians, just Jewish Hebrew people, they understand that names can be compounded. So look at what it says here, and his name, not names, but his name is called Pel, Joez, El Gabor, Abi Ad Sar Shalom. Now I know in some Latino communities they have some long names as well, but it's especially popular in the Middle East. Do you notice how they consider it one name? By putting the hyphens between there, it's not many names. It's one compounded name that contains all of those attributes. And if you were to go to another passage, which they don't have to, just to show you that we as Christians are not even taking advantage of this, even though we didn't translate this, the Hebrew people did, just in a And it seemed like that the Jewish people understood something significant was going to happen. A godlike leader was going to be born in a miraculous way, have godlike attributes, and bring peace to the world because the government will be on his shoulders. Now remember, we've been reading out of Isaiah, but there was a part of Isaiah's prophecies that they didn't tie in to Jesus. Go to Isaiah chapter 53. And that's why I entitled this message, From the Manger to the Cross. When they looked at the life of Jesus and the prophecies, they thought only about what was going to look good and what was going to have all the sparkles. They didn't attach this, and that is why they rejected Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah, because they didn't understand that he also had to fulfill this. Now, as I read this to you, you ask yourself this question. Does this sound like it was written hundreds of years before Jesus, or does this sound like somebody sitting at the foot of the cross reporting, like a news reporter, what is happening to Jesus? Then you'll see the power of the prophecy. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricted by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. 
though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And through the Lord, he makes his life an offering for sin, and he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Remember, a father has offspring, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When was that written? At the foot of the cross, somebody watching it? Or hundreds of years before the event? See, now you understand why they missed him. He was fulfilling the part of the prophecy that they did not acknowledge applied to the Messiah. Now you know why he had many titles but was given the name of Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Though we had the title of God with us, Emmanuel, and though we had the title of being our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, he was given a very specific name, the name that we know him by today. In verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So why did Jesus come as a little child in a manger born of a virgin? He did it so that God might become the sacrifice for our sins. God himself, in the person of the Son, took our sins. That's why he went from the manger to the cross. And then we know it didn't end at the cross. Just in case you don't come for Easter, let me give you the end of the story. He then was buried and he rose again. So we're worshiping the God-man, Jesus, the one who saves. He is our Savior and there is no one like him. And no one can do anything close to what he has done. Just for example, if the Jews say, we don't believe he was the Messiah, we're still waiting for a Messiah that will do all that we're waiting for, my friends, their Jewish Messiah is now impossible to come. And why is that? When the second temple was built around the time of Jeremiah, Daniel, during that time, God gave a prophecy that the Messiah would come and that God would visit that temple, and that temple would have a greater glory than the first temple that Solomon built. My friends, that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Sorry, Jewish people, you've lost your chances to produce another Messiah. This has to be your Messiah if you're taking serious the promise that God made to that temple. And that's why John the Baptist said, the one who comes after me is greater than me because he is before me. 
John the Baptist understood who he was. And then John the Baptist said, I am a messenger preparing the way for Yahweh, for God himself to come. And that passage in Isaiah that he's quoting literally means God is coming right after that messenger. And so how do they try to get around it? By saying, because judgment day hasn't happened yet. Because the enemies of God have not been squashed yet. Because peace has not been enforced in the government of God yet. The Messiah couldn't have came. They skip the suffering servant aspect and go directly to the judgment aspect. Do we believe that the Prince of Peace is coming to carry the government on his shoulders and to enforce his judgment and peace? Do we believe that? Yes, but what is happening in the meantime? What is happening between his resurrection and ascension to heaven and the judgment? The age of the church. So it's not just Jews in the kingdom, a few million of them, but billions of Christians from all the different nations of the world fulfilling the exact prophecy that God gave Abraham when he established the nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to do something great through you, and your descendants are going to be my favorite, and I'm going to use them to do something unique on the earth, but not alone, but through your descendants, all nations will be blessed. And so unless God has a plan to bless the non-Jewish people, he would have failed that promise and many more. So to our Jewish friends, we know they have so much to look at in the scriptures, but they have missed it. And so we as Christians have to help them see it. And then any other religion that is out there that doesn't see Jesus as the God-man, as the Savior of the world, maybe they look at a prophet like Muhammad or follow a guru or Buddha's teachings, we need to show them that it's Christ alone who is our everlasting Father, our mighty God, our wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. It is Christ alone who bore our sins, Christ alone who defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose up, and then ascended into heaven. And so that is the mission that we have, not only during this season, but all seasons of our life, excuse me, to tell the world about Jesus so that the world can be in his kingdom and to rule and reign with him forever because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you believe that, would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for coming. Let's all stand up and pray. Band and altar workers, would you come? Lord, we thank you for our friends and family here today. We ask you to bless everyone. And we pray, O oh Lord, during this time, if anyone does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they will do so today before they leave. And those of us here who might already know you, Lord, I pray you'll convict us if we're not living for you and we're still living in our sins. Lord, may we repent of those sins and live 100% for you today. With every head bowed and eyes closed and an attitude of prayer, do you want to accept Christ as your King, as your Lord, as your Savior? Do that right now by just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. I believe you died and rose again. Confess Jesus for who he is in your heart. With your own heart, your own words, your own will, surrender your life to him. 
And those of you who are here today and you've already done that, but you've been maybe living in sin or compromising, just start confessing those things out today and say, Lord, when I leave out of here, I don't want to leave the same way I came. You came to save me from my sins. We ask you to do that now. I ask you to do it in my life. A few moments before we go, and we'll end with prayer up here for those who want to come up and those who want to hang out and worship. But before we do, would you examine your heart? And if you're saying, man, I'm already a Christian and I'm all in, would you start to pray for some of the friends and family that you might see during this Christmas season who don't know Jesus? Ask God to use you to be a messenger for him, to spread his truth, to take advantage of this time of of the year. Jesus, we thank you for all that you did for us. Father, we worship you for sending the Son. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here and making us new and making the presence of the Father and Son known to us. A few moments, examine your heart, pray for yourself, pray for others. We thank you, Lord, for everyone that came here today. We pray for souls to be saved, disciples to be made. This is the time. This is the time. No one's promised tomorrow. Lord, give us an urgency to tell the world about you, to help others understand how beautiful you are. Thank you. Gracias, Senor. Maybe just thank him for a few moments. If you prayed any of those prayers with me, just begin to thank him. Worship him in your own words. Gloria a Dios. Jesus, we love you. If you want to start coming up, you can. We'll dismiss in just a few moments. The band's going to worship a little bit. We'll dismiss in just, just a little bit, but feel free to come even now. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. No one's like you, Jesus. If you're going through something this time of the year and you just need some prayer, come on up. We're here to pray to encourage you as well. If you're looking for a church or you want someone to get in your life and help you out, maybe mentor you, disciple you, come on up, meet somebody. Meet one of these prayer workers. They'll love to start meeting with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask you to bless us as we go. Give us a wonderful holiday season as we remember you. Help us to grow closer to you and to each other and tell the world about you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's bless the Lord one more time. He's not a baby anymore. He's the reigning King of kings, Lord of lords. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Feel free to worship, pray. Otherwise, you can fellowship. Oh, say your love is true. Your love is true, yes, your your love is free. You pay the cost of sin on Calvary. Jesus, yeah, I make you, yes, I've been set free. Your power fell, the 
Oh, your love is ransomed.